Welcome to The Power Supply, your weekly digest of technology and science with your hosts, David Lei and Ziyang Cui. Let's get started. So today we will be talking about the AT&T Monopoly, the Alienware Hotel Room, the possible dangerous microbe uh, plastic container detection device. Uh, is YouTube the ne- next Facebook? And uh, Yellowstone's disaster in waiting. So start us off with the AT&T Monopoly, David. All right, so what we mean by Monopoly is, well, you, you guys know what AT&T is. It's a service. It's an internet provider. And they also got they also own DirecTV, but they're also planning to open a streaming service, just like Netflix or like Amazon Prime or something like that. And it would cost fifteen dollars a month and now. And that's the cheapest, right? Like one of the cheapest available for uh, live streaming TV, right? Yep. And that would the offer doesn't include sports, which is the downside. But besides from that, it's one of the cheapest for live streaming TV. Um, this deal, to be called AT&T Watch, was announced by Chief Executive Randall Stevenson on Thursday when um, during his, the trial that their AT&T is currently in right now to acquire Time Warner. And, like, the Time Warner and AT&T case is so, like, uh, significant because it's about uh, monopoly and antitrust deals. Like, uh, the Justice Department is arguing that uh, or that, uh, AT&T, if they buy Time Warner, that would uh, make them a monopoly and would be unfair to the traditional market uh, while uh, AT&T plans to buy Time Warner. All right, well... AT&T, if they do buy Time Warner, they will combine AT&T's 25 million paid TV subscribers with media giants like HBO, CNN, Warner Bros., movie studio, uh, studios, and others. Uh, this would... The concerning thing about this is that it would create an anti-competitive environment for consumers, which is, as we said, a monopoly. Yeah, that's not good, but uh, we'll have to follow this issue uh, later on. We'll follow up. Uh, we'll follow up with this issue. Uh, we'll get the lowdown off for you guys later. <laughs> yeah. Right? So now we're talking about the Alienware built-in gaming room at the Hilton Panama. All right, Panama's in Mexico, right? Yep, I think so. All right. Uh, it's not rainy yet. Apparently, the rainy season runs from May to December. But it doesn't matter because what we're talking about right now is an Alienware hotel. If you guys don't know what Alienware is, it's a, what do you call it? It's a gaming computer company. Yeah, and uh, d- in this uh, Hilton Panama Hotel in room 2425, uh, along with a nice view of the beach, you'll have a 65-inch 4K OLED TV, an Alienware PC with a Core i7 7800, and a GTX 1080 Ti, and Xbox One Elite controllers, and etc. Like, there's a bunch of games. It's perfect for uh, esports players, PC uh, gamers, just anyone who wants to 
uh, go on a vacation, but also uh, play games. All right. Basically, you won't be spending any time on the beaches there. All right. <laughs> and also, uh, I guess it also like demonstrates uh, the rising popularity of uh, esports. I guess because a lot of uh, esports teams, especially in the League of Legends scene, they've been uh, staying at hotels that, uh, uh, like before, the hotels had to. I guess provide them with a special room and like remove a lot of the stuff from the room to like bring in computers and that would take a lot of extra time and money. However, now like uh, uh Panama, this Hilton Panama Hotel setting a precedent by like having a room specifically dedicated to yeah, which is uh pretty cool I think. But you know, I mean, since you when you but. You guys, if you guys are thinking about going down to Panama just for the gaming, just remember we're in Mexico. That's in Mexico, and the rainy season runs from May to December. So plan your trip between those few months <laughs> so that you don't get caught in the downpour trying to lounge on the beach. Yeah. And right, uh, right now we're going to talk about our uh, technology, I think. Um, no, we are going to talk about is uh, Google the next Facebook. Right, Tell what us what that means. What I was, I was going to ask you what that means. Oh, okay, okay. You so said, what, Google, uh, Google, the Facebook, uh, what? YouTube, the next Facebook? No, so um, we've all been following the recent uh, Facebook controversy. We even mentioned it in our last episode, TBS 11. Uh, check it out. But uh, Facebook is uh, taking a lot of the scrutiny from Congress and and the media because of their uh, data handling practices. However, um, they're not the only big media company uh, or internet company that uh, does this. In fact, YouTube, Google, Twitter also um, have giant platforms which uh, share and send or promote a lot uh, more videos and posts that aren't correct. You know, For example, YouTube... Uh, CNN uh, found that it uh, found that there were more than 300 retail brands, government agencies, and technology companies that had their ads run on YouTube channels that promoted white nationalists, Nazis, conspiracy theorists, and North Korean propaganda. And that's like extremely not okay. Yeah. Uh, now Facebook's going under f- undergoing fire from this, but YouTube also is about to go under under scrutiny for this too and uh i think uh some people think that this scrutiny of google uh google companies is long overdue uh because youtube has repeatedly outlined the ways uh it attempts to flag and and delete hateful violent sexually explicit or harmful videos but it's screening efforts that have often missed the mark which is like it's not getting it's not providing the safety on in, online that we that we most of us need another one of uh, youtube's policies uh is to allow advertisers to avoid running ads on uh, sensitive topics in the news or politics but it's clear that based on the cnn report it's not working like these these methods have failed and, uh, yeah, like, they're not correctly filtering out channels uh, for uh, advertising. Yeah, this, is, uh, this is a dangerous game right here, isn't it? Yeah, uh, especially how because it's affecting our children. 
uh, a lot of young kids, uh, teenagers, adults, people from all generations watch and uh, use YouTube. And uh, if they're exposed to these uh, sensitive topics, especially young children, yeah, it often it will definitely manipulate them to creating more conflict within our already battle-torn U.S. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess it just shows that even though YouTube is uh, trying to, I guess, uh, keep censor. Ad- yeah censor stuff or keep ads off of sensitive topics, it's it's the same as Facebook who uh, is trying to i guess keep their user data safe but they're uh but both have failed it, it just shows that like they both these both uh, these uh companies both need to step up their game and go beyond and above all right and this uh so the thing about youtube is that now you got you have the all these videos that promote uh violence promote white nationalism promote uh violence and then you got people who advertise on those viol- on those videos, vi- put their advertisements in those videos, which is it's just hor- it's not it's not right. And uh, most of YouTube's responses are reactive, like uh, only they decide to remove ads from inappropriate content uh, when uh, after it gets uploaded. YouTube needs to take a, a proactive uh, step and remove that content or censor that content before it gets uploaded and like uh bec- and this uh reactiveness just shows that they're uh scared about how people will perceive them they're not actually trying to like change anything like they need to get ahead of the game all right and the scary thing about uh what our government can do about this is not any not really anything because as uh Mark Zuckerberg underwent uh, scrutiny from Congress. And their questions and uh, responses clearly showed that Congress doesn't really know so much about the internet, and that's also really scary considering how many tech, co- how prominent tech is in everyone's lives. Yeah, tech has uh, been developing a lot, but all all the people, all the politicians making the decisions, they're all the I guess elderly, but they're on the older side. They're I want like they're they're older and they clearly haven't been uh, I guess as exposed to technology as uh, our generation or like the younger generation I guess and they might not be the right people to make informed like they they can't make informed decisions on for example Facebook if they don't use Facebook or they don't use the internet like how how can they do that? Technology is moving us. Uh, at this point, I would consider technology is moving too fast for our politicians right now. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so now let's we talk w- about another disaster. Yep, we have. We're talk- going to talk about the Yellowstone super, super volcano. Don't start us off, David. All right. So, you, super volcano is exactly what it sounds like, and it's in Yellowstone. Um, it's a forty-four mile wide volcano. So, that's a really big volcano, and it's right, and it can, uh, it's only erupted three times. The first one was 2.1 million years ago. The last one was 630,000 years ago. But it's a, there's a p- possibility right now for a fourth disaster, which is a pretty scary thing. 
And uh, Yellowstone, if it were to erupt a fourth time, it's capable of an extreme amount of disaster. If you were to compare the possible eruption to the 1980 eruption uh, eruption of Mount St. Helen, Yellowstone is capable of eruption of a eruption thousands of times more violent. Uh, the Northern Rockies would be buried in multiple feet of ash, and uh, ash in general would rain almost everywhere in the United States. It'd be a bad day. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty. Sc- that's pretty sketch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, scientists are uh, definitely want to know when, when will uh, it erupt again? Like that's the big question. Yeah. Um, sign. Uh, we know it might. We know it's a giant volcano. We know it has a possibility of erupting, but we just don't have enough data on it to know make a good decision or interpret when it's or just know when it's going to erupt and one thing is because uh the the reason one reason we don't have enough data is because the last time it erupted was six six hundred thirty thousand years ago so we don't know how explosive it how many tons of dynamite we should compare it to yeah and uh such a big explosion um usually super volcano eruptions occur uh, hundreds or thousands of feet below the uh, the ground so it's hard to see what's happening down there and it's hard to I guess get data on what would happen uh, but the good news is that there's a possibility that it's also in Yellowstone old Yellowstone is going to sleep yeah I mean uh, it, it that just shows again how, uh, how scientists don't really know that much about What's going to happen? Like, is it going to sleep? Is it going to kill us all? Like, we don't know. Uh, but all, at this point, we can all, the only thing we can do is just prepare for it. Yeah, like, for example, in California, there's a lot of preparation on earthquakes, tsunamis, wildfires. But uh, some people, like, uh, there, there should be more preparation for something like volcanic eruptions. Even though those are th- so rare, they could, uh, I guess, ensue a lot of de- uh, destruction. Yeah. Uh, it, if it were to erupt, we're going back to this again, it could possibly uh, have a have a magnitude of an earthquake of like six, which is pretty damn high. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, that's insane. Like a volcano that could like have a magnitude similar to an earthquake that's like Like crazy a huge earthquake yeah it send the world into the dark ages with all that ash and maybe not but all at this point all we can do is just prepare yep okay we're gonna go something boring but will definitely help you guys I don't know about boring. I think it's pretty cool. All right. You want to introduce it to us, Ian? Yeah. So there's a pathogen like detector that are built into the plastic patches that could someday spare you from food poisoning. Ooh, so, sounds good. Yeah. Do you know like all those uh, plastic film? We uh, like bring our lunch in. We like have there's like ham contained in them. Uh, I don't think that's what they mean by plastic film. All right. You guys know what the you guys go to the supermarket ever go back to the meat aisle and stuff. Like how they package the meat, they have like these styrofoam trays, and then they package them in like the, the all that film. All right, this f- well, 
people are trying to de- uh, Carlos Felipe, a chemical engineer at McMaster University in Hamilton, Canada. Uh, they've created a new flexible film that's coated in molecules that glow when they touch E. coli cells. E. coli is that this scary bacteria that basically uh, is really bad for your system. It leaves you sick for a long, long time. And what makes this uh, technology so special is that it also glows in the presence of molecules secreted by E. coli. So the, I guess, technology doesn't have to be in direct contact with the bacterial cells to uh, flag food for the contamination. So just, so the possible implication, the implications of this tech is obviously to keep people safe from food poisoning. And food poisoning is a very serious thing because it, it, uh, Ill, foodborne illnesses kill about 420,000 people worldwide each year, according to the World Health Organization. And next, uh, these scientists are planning to make films that uh, glow in the presence of other bacterias, uh, like not just E. coli, such as uh, salmonella or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, now, the glow of, of these sensors must be viewed under an ultraviolet lamp with a fluorescent scanner, but so other, uh, we're, they're working on developing matchbox-sized smartphone attachments that can de- detect that fluorescence, which would allow people to use that to check packaged food at home before opening it. And, uh, of course, grocery stores could also provide scanners so that uh, customers can check food before buying it. Yeah, we're, this is a... Yeah, we're just trying. Uh, people are just trying to prevent illnesses right now. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a new technology. It's a pretty cool one, and that's just great. And uh, that's our episode, episode twelve of TPS. I uh, hope we did not disappoint. And hope you guys join us next time for our TPS, the power supply number thirteen. All right, see you guys. <laughs>